Our scripture reading today is from the uh, Paul's letter to the Romans in chapter 8. We begin reading at verse 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Verse 28, excuse me, verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all these things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray together as we hear God's word. Lord God, on this day, we turn to your word, here wanting to hear from you guidance for our lives. On this day, we want to know that you are our God, and that we are held secure in your love. Help your word break through to our hearts and to our lives, to shape us and to form us for your purposes. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Here we are, Easter Sunday morning, locked down in our own homes. Some stay inside out of fear of what's outside. We're cautious. We wear face masks. We wash our hands endlessly to the point of being raw and chapped. Most of us are uncertain of what the future holds. On this day, we're not sure of Paul's words. If God is for us, who can be against us? Seems these days there's plenty against us. These days, it seems like nearly everything is against us. These days, it seems like everything is separating us from the love of God. These days, it feels a bit like the abandonment the disciples must have felt that first Easter morning. We see the millions contracting this virus, hundreds of thousands dying, and we wonder if God is working for the good of those who love him. We've known Easter as a day of hope. What comfort do we find on this day? Reformed Christians have been asking about comfort for over 450 years. In the first question of the Reformed Confession of the Heidelberg Catechism, we're asked about comfort. 
The Catechism raises a question that speaks into our present situation, pointing us toward this unique word, comfort. It asks, what is your only comfort in life and in death? Notice, this is a personal question. The question is asked of each of us. What is your only comfort? At one point or another, we each will have to answer a question like this. But in times like this present crisis, the question seems especially pertinent. In the past month, we've bumped up against our limitations. Despite a world that speaks to us of endless possibilities and being masters of our own fate, we can't help but recognize our mortality. The world may want us to believe that hard work can handle anything in life. Now we know otherwise. Hard-working firefighters and police officers and nurses and doctors and bus drivers have contracted and succumbed to this disease. Millions of perfectly healthy, willing, able workers have been laid off from their jobs or furloughed. This question from the Heidelberg Catechism deals with our boundary issues of life. It raises an issue of life and death. What is your only comfort when death draws you up short? Where do we turn when life crashes down around us? These days, it seems as if trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and sword have the upper hand. When life is filled with doubt and insecurity, the choices we make may not carry the day. When anxiety surrounds us, the catechism tries to to focus our lives by asking, what is your only comfort in life and in death? The word comfort means to make strong to fortify. Literally, it's two Latin words, con and fortis, which means with strength. The Heidelberg Catechism moves us to reflect on the only thing in life that gives us strength. It wants us to reflect on what holds life together. Whether you're a farmer or a carpenter and in insurance or you teach, what is the glue of your life? Question and answer one echoes the question which begins Psalm 121. Where does my help come from? It's about who will be there for me no matter what happens. It's about having confidence even when life brings a virus right to our doorstep. No matter how strong or weak you are, no matter what your anxiety level, the Heidelberg Catechism invites us to consider a comfort that can deal with all the good and evil of life. It can only be comfort, strength for life, if it supplies strength all the time. Now, let's be clear. This is not a multiple-choice question. There's not multiple answers available to us. Notice the question is, what is your only comfort? There's not some lineup of goods on a shelf from which we can pick and choose. There's only one comfort. We don't get to choose between good, better, and best. The catechism doesn't say what's your greatest comfort. We're not even asked what comforts you. I mean, if we were asked that, it might bring to mind lazy boy recliners or hot dogs at a baseball game. Catechism catechism isn't raising a question about what makes us comfortable. It is inviting us to consider what holds life together. Pastor Craig Barnes says, it invites us out of hiding behind our coping devices 
and calls us to stand again as women and men capable of taking on life with all its volatility. When a common enemy confronts our world, we're forced to ask an important question. What gives you strength in life? What can face down your anxiety no matter how big your anxiety is? What is your only comfort in life and in death? And the Apostle Paul is clear, there's only one such comfort. My comfort is that I belong to Jesus. In all things, God works for the good or the salvation of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Even when tombs are sealed and sorrow abounds, God works. Even in dark and desperate times, God works. Even when fear and anxiety uh, reach a, a level of panic, God works. When a pandemic virus circles our globe, God is the person we want to have on the job. In all things, we want God to be the one at work. For there is an added bonus for us when God is at work. We are granted new strength. Paul tells us in verse 37 that when God is on the job, when God is at work, then we become, as he says, more than conquerors. Paul so exuberant about our status in Christ, he kind of makes up this word, that word more than conquerors. He calls us hyper winners because of the work of God's love in us. This strength really comes home to us because of the four words that precede Paul's stunning declaration. We are hyper winners more than conquerors. Means that we're not just winners. No, Paul says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. And the logical question that we want to ask is, when will what things? It's all the things that Paul has just mentioned. He wondered what would separate us from the love of Christ. And he listed some potential candidates. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Those might not mean much to us. But to the Roman Christians, this list hit very close to home. Because this is a list of things that threaten them the most. The things that kept them up at night. Perhaps if we substituted our own list, we would understand the impact of what Paul is saying. If Paul were writing a letter to us, he might wonder with us what would separate us from Christ's love. Falling Twin Towers. Ebola outbreaks, tornadoes and hurricanes whipping through neighborhoods, abortion on demand, unemployment, depression, terrorist plots, divorce, cancer, miscarriages, mass murders by easily obtained assault rifles, novel coronaviruses. These are the everyday realities that threaten us, that make our lives unhappy, that trap us in despair. But in Jesus, we have this new standing. More than conquerors. Not over all these things. No, Paul says, he's not saying that that if we're faithful enough, these things won't come our way. No, we are conquerors, super winners, hyper winners in all these things. Paul lays out how we got here in his own series of question and answers. If God is for us, who can be against us? Yes. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? 
Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? God confirms to us this gracious gift of comfort, of strength, in the life and the death of Jesus. That first question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism says, I'm not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all of my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. The one who made us in his image is the one who claims us for himself. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God doesn't leave us in the sin that we've chosen. God offers us much more than consolation or sympathy. God redeems us. God restores us to be the image bearers we were meant to be, crowned with dignity. I'm not my own, but belong. Jesus purchased our lives, body and soul, for himself. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. My only comfort is found in one place. I belong to Jesus. Reformation pastor and teacher John Calvin put it like this. We are not our own. We let not our reason nor our will therefore sway our plans and deeds. We are not our own. Let us therefore not set it as our goal to seek what is expedient for us according to the flesh. We are not our own. Insofar as we can, let us therefore forget ourselves and all that's ours. Conversely, we are God's. Let us therefore live for him and die for him. We are God's. Let his wisdom and will therefore rule our actions. We are God's. Let all the parts of our life accordingly strive toward him as our only lawful goal. There's no greater strength for life than this. I am not my own. I belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. This is God at work for the good of those who love him. And belonging to Jesus means that we have life, abundant life, no matter what death or life can throw our way. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Most of us find strength in the fact that in death we belong to Jesus. We take solace in the fact that our loved ones are not abandoned to the grave, they're secure in God's love. And we find relief from worry in the fact that God will hang on to us even when our bodies are lowered into a grave or our ashes scattered to the four winds. We are secure in God's love. In Christ, we have this strong profession of faith. My only comfort is that I'm not my own, but belong, even if I die, to Jesus Christ, my Savior. Even in death, I'm secure in God's love. 
But this isn't just a promise for death. God holds us secure in love in this life, too. When our living feels grave-like, God holds us secure in his love. When a micro-virus assaults our society, God holds us secure in his love. God holds on no matter what. That same question and answer, first one of the catechism says, he also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Not only do we get life beyond death, Jesus fills our lives even now. Belonging to Jesus in death means we have a place to stand in life. We don't endure this life until some sweet by-and-by trip to heaven. No, we not only belong in the face of death, we belong to Jesus in life. Nothing, not the frustration of life being put on hold by a communal lockdown, not the worry of unemployment because I've been laid off, not the pain of seeing thousands die alone and afraid. Nothing in life or in death can separate us from God. None of the evil of this world will ultimately destroy us. This doesn't mean we won't have pain. As long as we live in this time before the return of Jesus, we will struggle with evil, with pain, with suffering. We will agonize over the mysteries of illness that can ravage mind or body. There are times we may face despair. We will cry out, How long, O Lord? We may shout, Why me? And we may never hear an answer. Verse 36 says that we face death all day long. We're like sheep heading to the slaughter. God never promises to release us from the struggle while we live in a world infested with sin and death. Paul doesn't say we won't face famine or nakedness or sore. He said these cannot separate us from the love of God. Here is Paul's wonderfully Easter message. The gift of God's comfort is that even though we may be in despair, because I belong to my Savior Jesus Christ, I can still praise God. In fact, says that first question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism, because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Even though life may not go as we planned, we still give glory to God right now. Belonging to Jesus gives us strength for life to face whatever comes our way. This unique question cuts to the soul of our profession of faith. What is your only comfort? But an even more unique answer is given. I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Nothing in death can touch me. Nothing in life can overwhelm me. No tyranny will have victory over me. I am secure in God's love. You are secure 
in God's love. Well, sure, we will still face difficulties. We will wrestle with life's mysteries. We will struggle against sin and death. We will suffer at the hands of the evil one. We will not always be comfortable. But we will always have comfort. Here's our confession for this Easter 2020. I'm not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. When it comes to comfort, there's no better place to be. Amen. Pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the wonder of his resurrection. And we thank you for the promise that you offer us of belonging to him in life and in death, that there is no tyranny, there is nothing that can befall us, there is nothing that can overwhelm us, but that we are yours, always and forever. And you instill in us this deep desire to live for you in all things. Father, we thank you for this gift, this gift from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, And we pray all this in his name. Amen.